to the holiday edition of the Multiply Church Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great Christmas season so far. Just a few short days and potentially weeks um, before Christmas hits. And so hopefully you guys are preparing your hearts well for the Christmas season uh, for that day coming up pretty quickly. Uh, hopefully you got all your uh, Christmas presents bought. I know that uh, we are head of the game here just because we are expecting our second child to come hopefully at the end of December. And so, um, we had to get all that out of the way quickly. So, um, the Christmas buying part that is getting that quickly done, uh, so that we're ready to go after when baby arrives, but uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying your Christmas season. And I know we are, we're enjoying going and seeing lights and doing all the fun stuff. And so, um, we, we love doing that. I love driving around, looking at lights, blaring Christmas music. So here's the question. Um, you know, what is your favorite Christmas song? That's the question. Um, you can debate amongst uh, your family and friends. There's one, only one answer, uh, correct answer that is, uh, and that's Oh Holy Night. I love it. It's just, man, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, there's plenty of good Christmas songs, so don't get me wrong. There's plenty of good, good ones out there, but man, that one just hits so differently. I just, um, yeah, just the theology and this, the just just good quality. Uh, Christmas shoes is not on the list. Um, even though it's not a bad song, it's a lot of bad rap, but, um, anywho, whatever your favorite song is, blare it up, uh, in the car, blare it out, whatever the phrase is. Um, and, uh, and just enjoy the season. Um, today. So yeah, we're talking back, uh, about, um, more Christmas stuff, right? More Advent, uh, preparing our heart, um, that sort of stuff. Um, before we uh, get to Christmas and before we open the presents, before we get to uh, celebrating the birth of Christ on December 25th, uh, let's prepare our heart well. And so this message that I preached was about um, focusing on the incarnation and more specifically focusing on uh, the name of Jesus being Emmanuel, which is so interesting. Here's a side note. Um, some people spell it with an E and some people spell it with an I. And if you might've noticed that before, maybe you haven't, um, here's the reason in the original language, um, vowels are sometimes really difficult to figure out, um, whether it is an E or an I in the original language. And so, um, it's can kind of be up for debate on whether that is an E or an I most modern day translations, I think go with I, and I think I lean towards that as opposed to E, but you know what? It's okay. Whether it's E or an I, uh, that's just, that's, that's why there's a difference on the spelling. So there you go. There's your insight into <laughs> the original language of the Bible. Um, and so, uh, but we did focus on the fact that Christ is our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. Um, and so on just this short, um, holiday edition of our uh, podcast, I just wanted to, um, just give you, um, a couple of theological topics to just, um, stoke a fire in your heart this week as you continue to prepare for Christmas and we kept asking the question, well, why do we celebrate Jesus at Christmas? Why, why do we? Well, we celebrate, we celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate God becoming man. So that's how I would define it. It's very simply that God became man. It was a point in history where God, the son, the eternal son, God, the second, uh, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God, the son became human, became man. He closed him, clothed himself with flesh. Um, literally the, tr the word incarnation really does mean in fleshed, uh, means that God at a point in time in history, which we believe Christmas is when we celebrate that, not necessarily saying that is the actual date. Um, but we celebrate God becoming man, God, the son becoming man. That's the incarnation. And 
I think when we've been in church so long, we, we just kind of glaze over this because we we've heard it. We've, we've sung about it. Um, and it can kind of just not hit as hard. And so, like I said, on the beginning of this podcast series on this holiday edition and Christmas edition, it, it'll slow down a little bit and let's think through because the incarnation is absolutely incredible. It really is. Um, I heard it said that without the incarnation, we do not have the resurrection. And that's true. At first I was like, is that right? I mean, yeah, that's true. It's hard to sparse these out, you know, and separate them. But the fact of the matter is Jesus would not be able to rise again, would not be able to save humanity if he was not God and man. And so here's what I wanted to do on this podcast. This is going to be a little extended edition because um, at the end of this, I want to give us, um, give our listeners some um, defenses of Christ's deity that we could maybe use um, to share with somebody who might be interested to know about why we believe that Christ Jesus is, um, is God. Um, so I'm specifically speaking to uh, people that we might know that hold to a different faith that might believe that Jesus is um, a lesser God or that Jesus is is just man or he was maybe God at some points and man at other points. Like there's a lot of different variations out there that you might run across some people that have that that opinion. And so I want to give you some defenses, a very simple, easy ways uh, for you to defend that Christ um, is God and man. But first, before we get there, um, so uh, if you want just the the shortened version of this, just listen to the, uh, the beginning of this and then you can tune out at the end, but that's totally fine. But I hope you would stay uh, to the end because I think it's really interesting uh, to give us some good biblical def- um, defenses for Christ's uh, deity. Okay, so uh, like I said, I already kind of defined the incarnation, uh, but the how is the virgin birth, right? So the big two theological topics that we celebrate at Christmas is the incarnation through the virgin birth. And so, um, the virgin birth very simply is, is, is Jesus, um, being born of Mary by the Holy spirit. Um, that's the easiest way we can say it. Jesus born of the Holy spirit in Mary. Um, so like, how can Jesus be fully God and fully man, biologically speaking? Well, it's the virgin birth. It's you have the humanity because you're being born of the woman's seed, which we'll get to, hopefully we'll get to a little bit later because that's some cool um, biblical theology on that. Um, how, how do we get that biologically? Well, he's got to be born of God and born of man. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and conceives a child. And so that's how um, that's how the incarnation happens. That's, that's the means by which it happens. Uh, so the two big theological topics, like I said, is the incarnation and the excuse me, and the virgin birth. And that's why we celebrate. Now, the the kind of the sub points to this is um, like, why is it important that Jesus needed to be both God and man? Because there's different opinions out there that say differently. So why is it important? Well, I'm hoping these three, three, I guess I have three, three, um, these three things, these three points um, will help you to realize the beauty that is the incarnation this week. So here's the first one. Jesus being both God and man has 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 allowed him to fulfill our job. I've talked about this, I think, last week that there was a divide, right? Like man sinned and fell short. Uh, they, they Man, Adam and Eve in the garden sinned 
and created the separation. Uh, it broke the bond between God and man. And in his punishment, their punishment was death. It was a spiritual death. It was, it was separation that if you were going to continue on to live apart from God and pursue your own desires and your own uh, flesh, then, then you're not going to be in the presence of God. And so we needed someone to come in and actually fulfill our job perfectly. So that actually means he needed to be a man because the punishment was against man. And so the only person who actually can fulfill our job is a man. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, Jesus, I'll say it this way, perfectly represents the image of God. Um, scripture talks about that. He is the image of the invisible God. Um, Colossians talks about this. Hebrews talks about this. John talks about he is the image, the, the exact imprint of his nature. Um, but that's the divinity. So I will get that in a minute. But the, the part that's really important is that image of God thing. Who else has said it, you know, is the image of God. You know, well, man is the image of God, you know, God, or Jesus, you know, uh, fully, um, expresses that in his uniqueness because he's both God and man. But in order to fulfill the image of God by man, Jesus needed to be a man. He needed to be a man to fulfill our job. And what was our job? It was simple to go and fill the earth with the worshipers of God to multiply and to fill the earth over his worshipers. So that was what Jesus was trying to do. He was fulfilling his role. Um, and he did it perfectly and he did it perfectly without sin. And so in order for us, um, to be saved, um, in order for us to get going in any of this, um, Jesus needed to fulfill his role and he had to be a man to do it. Uh, Hebrews two seventeen says this, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Very simply put, um, Jesus needed to be man because he had to offer himself as the sacrifice. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect, it says, because not only now he is acting as a high priest, as a mediator between God and man, but he also was the sacrifice himself. He gave himself. And so the only person um, that could that could do this had to be man. Now on the, on the flip side of this, which is the second point, Jesus being God and man is able to satisfy an internal payment. If Jesus was just man, he could not satisfy an eternal punishment. He couldn't satisfy it. The, the, the debt had been laid and it was an eternal debt. When you sin against God, it is an eternal thing. And that's what man did. And so the only person that actually could fulfill it and satisfy that had to be God himself. That's why Jesus had to be God. He had to be both God and man. He had to be made like his brothers so that he could fulfill our job as man. And he had to be God because only God could actually, actually take upon God's wrath upon himself. Do you ever think about that on the cross that when it says that Jesus, you know, bore the weight of our sin, the sins, past, present, future of all humanity, no man could do that. It had to be God. It had to be God. And then the last thing, you know, Jesus being God and man is able to give us life. I thought this was such an interesting little phrase too that I thought was good in Acts 3.15, where it just says simply that Jesus is the author of life. And so if Jesus is the author of life means this, that he's God, because only God in scripture is the author of life. And so if if Jesus promises us life, that means he's the author of life, which means he's God. 
it just all goes hand in hand. The only way that Jesus can give us life is if he is the author of life, which means he's God. <clears throat> so just, those are just three simple things that um, are just reasons why Jesus needed to be both God and man. And it's the beauty that he is God and man. It's, it's a conundrum. It, it's still mind boggling for us to wrap our heads around exactly what that means. But the truth of the matter is, it, scripture is very clear that he, Jesus is both God and man, 100% God, 100% man. And we get to worship him because of that. We need to remember that Jesus is man and he he faced every temptation we faced and did it perfectly. He, he lived this life and walked this earth just like we've walked this earth, but without sin. And so we have a model to look to. We have someone we can look to. Our brother, in, in a sense, right? Our, our fellow man we can look to. Um, but he's also God that we get to worship. And so this idea that God would would come to earth, God in his holiness and his goodness would actually come to earth. He had every right to stay in heaven, every right to stay in heaven. I would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to my message. I'm not going to dive into deep on this, but Philippians 2, right? He had every right to stay in heaven. He had all the glory he deserved in heaven. And he laid it aside, his glory, to come to earth and become man. And so as you reflect on the incarnation, here's what I want you to reflect on. I want you to reflect on how holy God is and how incredible and how incredibly perfect he is, how good he is, how unique he is, how powerful he is. And then realize that he came to earth to save you because he loved you. Would you reflect on that this week? Would you realize that God in his holiness had every right to stay far off, but he decided to come near because he loved you. He loved you enough to die for you. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. Um, okay, so there's the first part of that. So maybe if you're like, okay, I've got to go, got to get to work, whatever, that's fine. You can take a break from now. I just want to give us a couple um, things here at the end. I'm, I've already given you some differences of why Jesus is God from scripture, but I want to kind of press in a little bit further, maybe give you some that are a little bit different um, that might encourage you when you have a conversation with somebody who might disagree with you on this. So the passages that I typically go to when I want to defend Christ's deity, the fact that he is God, um, the, the, obviously some of the first places I go to is John chapter one, verse one, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. I think I talked about this on a podcast previously, so I won't dive deep into this, but that's um, a very clear passage that says that, you know what, the word being Jesus, as we learn in John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if the word is God and the word became flesh, that means that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Make sense? So just logically from literature, from grammar, that's what that means. So that's the first place I would go to. That's kind of a traditional one. Here's another one um, that is, uh, that's what I would say is a little bit different um, that I would encourage you um, to really look into. Now, if you got a lot of time with a friend who maybe disagrees with you on this, this is one that will take some time to, to walk through, but I think it's really impactful. And it's this, and we've been walking through the gospel of John in our church uh, this past year. And so I'm deep into this, but there are seven statements that refer to Jesus's divinity in John, seven of them. And they're called the seven I am statements. So back in Exodus, God in the burning bush said to Moses, um, his name would be called I am the great I am. Who, uh, Moses asked, well, who, who, um, who are you? Like, who, who am I going to say sent me? He says, tell him I am sent you. Okay. So clearly we see in the old Testament that the phrase I am is associated with God and God alone. In John, 
the Gospel of John, if you consider that scripture, which most people would, um, Jesus says seven times explicitly and then plenty of other times in, in, uh, inadvertently, um, not inadvertently, he definitely, <laughs> um, on purpose, but like not as clear. Um, but the seven times he says, I am blank, blank, blank. He very clearly calls himself the, I am. So here's just one in John where Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. What's he saying? Well, he's saying two things. He says, before Abraham, before Abraham, I existed. Now, some people might say, well, just because he existed before Abraham doesn't mean he's God. Um, maybe he is just a lesser God. Well, that would be true if Jesus had, if that was the only reason he was using that statement before Abraham, I was, I am. Um, I was would be maybe more accurate. I was before Abraham, but he says, I am. And the way that the, the Greek is constructed is the is the phrase ego eimi i am and it's the phrase that name is only associated with god himself before abraham was i am that's just one of them he says i am the bread of life i am the resurrection and the life i am the way the truth and the life like all these times in john jesus is saying i am i am i am okay so this is going to take time to walk through with your friend or someone you might know, but John is screaming at us. It's not just John chapter one, verse one. It's the entire book. Jesus clearly identifies himself as the I am. And the only I am in scripture is God. Jesus even calls himself God. So that's one that I think would really um, tip the scales, obviously, in our direction that he um, is God. Um, another one is when Thomas at the end of the book uh, cries out and says, my Lord, my God, um, Jesus doesn't correct him and say like, wait, wait a minute. Eh, I'm not your God. My Lord, my God, um, Jesus is God. Now, how do you get over that? If you, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, he very clearly says that in scripture, my Lord, my God, um, other passages like Hebrews um, that I've already mentioned, Hebrews chapter one, um, he says um, this, that he is the radiance, this is Jesus, he's the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. Here's the question, what is God's nature? God. <laughs> and if Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature, that means Jesus is God. It's pretty clear. Colossians talk about this. He's the image of the invisible God. Uh, Philippians chapter two says he was in the form of God. What's the form of God? God. Like there's no other way around it. Like we try to wiggle our way out of it because we're trying to, uh, we, we just have a hard time wrestling with the Trinity. Um, but it's very clear. Jesus calls himself God and scripture testifies to it. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so those are just a few things, a few defenses. Um, I could have dived dove a lot deeper in all of that, but um, I want to kind of cap this episode off because at the end of the day, full circle, um, the incarnation, the virgin birth should be fuel for your worship. It should not just be knowledge that you tuck in a pocket or knowledge to get a, a JW off your porch or whatever. Like, it should be fuel for your worship. And so as you reflect this week, as you read those passages, scriptures that I mentioned, reflect on the fact that God in his holiness became man because he loved you enough to go to the cross and die for you. 
That is the beauty of the incarnation, and that is cause for worship. All right, guys, hope you guys enjoy uh, the rest of your Advent week, and we will see you next time on the Christmas edition of the Multiply Church Podcast.